The day is here. Get out of bed. Make yourself some breakfast. It's P. Willie Day in the movie theaters. And such, we're going to be talking about Reacher Season 2 is smashing all kinds of viewership records. And Avengers-style Super Smash Bros. is apparently being proposed by Illumination Studios. Also, there's talks going on that Warner Brothers and Paramount have already started discussions about a possible merger between Warner Brothers and Paramount Studios. And... The reviews for Aquaman are now out the day the movie's coming out, and they're not so good. Not the worst the DCU's ever had, but they're not good either. We're going to talk about that and a whole bunch more. The John Campbell Show podcast starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet at the John Campbell Show podcast. Come to you from right here. In our quaint little studio, brought to you in part by our good friends over at Mint Mobile. I'm, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff, not just giving you our opinions, but also giving you some information and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different than ours. Uh, joining us in the studio today, we got Ray Aura. Hey, hey, hey. Right my Xbox sweater. Nice Christmas sweater. Uh, yeah, you I know like what? That. PlayStation sweaters outsold this three to one. <laughs> so it's three to one. <laughs> right beside him is Jonathan Voiko. Hey, hey. Uh, Chris Carr is not here today. Um, one of her family members got sick. She just wanted to make sure she didn't bring anybody anything in here to get other people sick for the holidays. So we're going to wish her a speedy recovery. But most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. And here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to start off by talking about those topics that I listed off. Then in the last part of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. We already asked our beloved YouTube channel members to fire in some topics, but if you guys are watching live, you can use the Super Chat feature in the live chat to send in some topics or questions, and as long as they're appropriate for our show, we will address those at the end of the program. All right. With that down, guys, let's start off here, shall we? We're going to get things going with this. You know, uh, Amazon came out, of course, uh, a while back with Reacher, right? They're trying to do a TV show. Tom Cruise did a movie franchise of it. I actually liked the first Tom Cruise movie. Didn't like the second one so much. But they came out with Smallville's Aquaman, Alan uh, Richard, uh, Richson? Yeah, Richson. Mm -hmm. Richson, uh, playing the prime character, who, to be fair, he's much more of a physical likeness to the way Reacher is described in the book than say Tom Cruise was. And I really loved the first season. I thought it was great. I didn't know if a lot of people watch it. I didn't track the, the viewership numbers of it. So when Reacher season two was coming out, I didn't know if anybody was going to watch it. Well, apparently everybody watched it. And I mean everybody because Reacher season two, just three episodes in has already had more viewers than all of season one did and is already smashing Amazon viewership records. This comes to us from Screen Rant, who write the following. Reacher Season 2 is already a big hit for Prime Video, breaking records in just days. Deadline reports that Reacher Season 2 is off to a roaring start, becoming the number one title of the year for Prime Video in terms of total viewers across all series and films globally. The first three Reacher episodes, which were released on December 15th, surpassed the entire audience for season one by 50% in the first three days on the streamer. All right. <clears throat> this 
is nutty. This is absolutely nutty. And it's really a testament to how many people caught on to Reacher, you know, as the show progressed and then even after the show had finished its run. A lot of people, like, I, I remember I was late to Reacher. Like, Reacher was about halfway through season one, I believe, when I started watching it because a lot of people like you guys at home started telling me, John, you should be watching this Reacher. This is really good, which, again, is one of the big advantages of kind of releasing a week-to-week thing. So I jumped on board with it. Apparently, a lot of people jumped on board with it. And now they dropped the first three episodes to launch this season. And already more than 50% of all the people, 150%, I should say, of all the people who watched season one have already tuned in and is already the number one viewed shows. Remember, Amazon had other shows this year that broke records, right? We had um, Gen V, which smashed a whole bunch of their records and all this kind of stuff. And Reacher just eclipsed it. Now, it's not like this was Harry Potter, these books. These weren't the most popular book series in the world. So I think this is all really just a giant testament to how much people like season one. Have either of you guys watched Reacher? Not yet. No, it's actually on my queue now. I think the thing about Reacher, well, okay, this is just my theory. But I feel like Amazon kind of like stepped in it with Rings of Power. Oh, for sure. And and I think it put a bad taste in our mouth for Amazon series. And it has been slowly, like I know The Boys was great, but it has been slowly building more trust in its audience. So a lot of these shows I think have been slept on and now people are like tuning into Amazon in a way that I don't think they were before. Uh, also, I think it has a lot to do, give credit to Amazon for uh, including the Prime Video package with their Prime service i mean yeah sure of course uh, like this gives incentive i think to a lot of shows that may be that may be looking for a home and if amazon makes them an offer to show their uh, series on there they might sway them to put their stuff on prime I, video i think that's part of it too is people kind of like like discounted like well you get it with prime anyway so what it you know maybe there's some movies on there and it has a huge library yeah and they, they have a they have a bigger library than netflix does mm-hmm. and a lot but of I mean, users they've also I, I think they were in a pretty good position reputation wise before um uh, the Lord well, of the Rings Well, with the boys, show. for sure. Because, you know, you're talking, you're talking about shows like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, mm-hmm. and, like, the, obviously you mentioned The Boys, The Expanse ended up on Amazon. Like, they've they've done some pretty good stuff, again, but their rep did take a bit of a hit with The and, Lord of the Rings show. And I'm super excited for their upcoming uh, Sony Marvel uh, stuff that's uh, supposed to be coming out. That does, What is it, the Spider-Woman uh, series? Oh, uh, uh, Silk? Uh, uh, Silk. Silk, I think it is. I'm super excited for that, or and whatever well, uh, comic dude, book. Well, Fallout 4, or Fallout. Fallout has got a lot of people excited. Yeah. We just saw how many people, we were at the Game Awards, we saw how many people there were really excited about it, but Bright I'm Reacher. telling you what, this Reacher, and you know what, I'm really liking season two so far. I don't mm. like it quite as much as season one, but uh, I'm I'm telling you, man, they so have got a massive, it, massive hit on their what hands. What is it about it? Is, is it the storytelling? Is it like, what is it about that everyone's just grasping onto? I think there's, there's two different things at play. Mm-hmm. One's a more highbrow, one's a little bit more lowbrow. Yeah. The highbrow thing is, at least going back to season one, again, they're just getting into the story of season sure. two right now, right? But I think the numbers of season two are a reflection of how well season one was received. Mm-hmm. There is a really, it's a really good whodunit, season one. All I right. mean, there is truly, it's it's an intrigue thriller and it was done very well with good characters, all that kind of stuff. So that's the more highbrow reason why I think it works for a lot of people. The little bit more lowbrow, and there's nothing wrong with that. I like some good lowbrow stuff. Is just, I think people sometimes just like seeing a big hero beat the shit out of the bad guys. Mm-hmm. 
And and there's a lot of that. As a matter of fact, season two of Reacher, you guys probably saw the clip. They put it out online publicly. Season two of Reacher literally just starts with Reacher at a bank machine, a woman in front of him crying, and he's looking around because he's an investigator, you see. So he's looking around and he's deduced. He says to the woman, don't turn around. But are you being carjacked? And she's like, yeah, my baby's in the car. And Archer, or Archer, Reacher can see that. <laughs> Archer. Archer, totally different <laughs> yeah. show. There's the crossover everybody wants, Archer and Reacher. So Reacher looks over and he sees the car where a guy is, shifty looking guy's in there. So Reacher's just like, don't move, just stay here. And just, Reacher just walks over to the car, punches right through the window, pulls the asshole half out and starts slamming the car door on the guy's head. And so like, it's a bit, it's a bit of a crossover of like <clears throat> equalizer and like es- kind of an espionage or, or at least a whodunit kind of thing. Right. So it's kind of, it has yeah, those elements. They combine all that. Yeah. So like a really good intrigue thriller combined with, we just like seeing big heroes beat the shit out of bad guys. Mm-hmm. And, and they combine the two of that and Hopefully it makes for a pretty damn com- compelling, fun show to watch. So I really like it. Anyway, with that down, guys, let's move on to this, shall we? You know, ever since the Avengers came out, everybody, including DC, but not just DC, everybody else too, has been trying to find their Avengers formula. <laughs> how, how do we do this Avengers thing? Well, apparently, Nintendo properties may not be immune to that, as there is a report going around that Illumination, the studio that partnered with uh, Nintendo to make the Super Mario Brothers movie, is apparently pitching a Super Smash Brothers movie. Uh, this comes just from the folks over at Nintendo News who write, Animation studio Illumination has submitted a pitch to Nintendo for a shared cinematic universe similar to the Marvel movies that will culminate in a Super Smash Brothers as the company's Avengers-style film. The rumors come from Daniel RPK. Illumination has prepared a pitch to present to Nintendo for a shared cinematic universe with multiple spinoffs that will culminate in a Super Smash Brothers movie as their Avengers. All right. So <clears throat> I'm assuming since it's from Illumination, this would probably use the Super Mario Brothers movie as their starting point. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it was another studio, maybe they'd start with a new Mario, but it would, I'm assuming this would be in this Mario universe. So you already have a bunch of characters in there. We got Donkey Kong. We got Peach. We got, you know, uh, we got Luigi. We got a bunch of other characters already there. So you can do that. Now you start incorporating maybe some of the others. I mean, we know a live action Legend of Zelda is coming. So that means you could still use an animated link. Maybe have a link come in. Maybe they're able to negotiate the license like they were on some other non-Nintendo characters. Like, didn't Sonic show up in the Super Smash Brothers at one point? Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe they're able to work out something where they'd be allowed to do that too. Who knows? A lot of speculation at this point. In principle, I don't mind the idea, right? Making a bunch of these movies as a shared cinematic universe, that's what all the studios love now, shared cinematic universe. But I don't mind the idea. Like, do a Donkey Kong. We already heard that there were some discussions about the Donkey Kong from Mario Brothers movie getting there his own spinoff. A Donkey Kong, somebody else, somebody else, somebody else, mm-hmm. and then have it all come together for a I movie mean, you, called Super Smash. You got, like, Star Fox, which could be entertaining for sure. <laughs> You know, you got the Contra guys, Mega Man. So, I mean, you got 
your options here. And, yeah, there are a bunch of characters there. And there's two guarantees if this movie comes out, for me at least. Uh, Mario Brothers, think what you want of the movie. Visually, it was such a treat. I got lost in the world, especially when you you could see like the 3D. Uh, not 3D, but you know, the all depth, the things that were 2D, the distance, yeah. they made into, you yeah. know. And also, it's going to make a billion dollars. This movie is going to make a billion dollars. See, I'm not so sure about that. I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> I, I, I thought Hollywood learned that just because one company did it doesn't mean that formula was just a copy and paste and it'll work in anything you do. Because, like, you know, we we're, we talked about this with um, with the Taylor Swift concert, right? Taylor Swift does this concert movie, makes hundreds of millions of dollars, and everybody's like, oh, now all the musical acts should do their things. And it's like, okay, that's good. But the problem is there's only one Taylor Swift, right? And I said, if anybody's even going to come close to that, maybe Beyonce, but Beyonce's movie did not come anywhere near what Taylor Swift's movie did. So there's the problem with them is that there was only one Taylor Swift. You can't just go out and get every band to make a concert documentary and expect to put that in theaters and it's going to make $100 million. Yeah. They're not. Nintendo faces the same kind of problem. They've got one Mario. That's it. Like Taylor Swift to Beyonce, maybe Link, may, mm -hmm. maybe The Legend of Zelda, but they're already doing a live action thing of that. I'm sorry, but none of these other supposed standalone films that you want to do to build up to a Super Smash Bros. movie, no one's going to go see those. They're not going to make any kind of real money. I don't think that, that that's the way. I don't think they're going to do a build-up. Well, that's what they're, they're saying here. That's, oh, what, that's oh, what the report is saying. Oh, like they're saying they want to oh. create a shared cinematic universe similar to the yeah. Marvel movies that will culminate in a oh, Super Smash Bros. They, movie, right? They just need to go into this like head-on. Just this movie. Yeah, see, I agree. I think if you want to do a Super Smash Bros. movie, I think you reverse engineer the Marvel's formula. You start, yes. I mean, you've already got the Mario Brothers movie, but yes. start now with the Super Smash Brothers, see which characters in there really hit with the audience, yep. and then, and then try exactly. giving them their own individual yeah. ones, exactly. right? Exactly. That exactly. could have a higher potential for success, I think, than trying to do, well, we're going to do a Contra Brothers movie, and we're going to do a, we've already tried Pikachu, and uh, like, I don't know, we'll, we'll do this and that, and then maybe build up. I think you totally go the other opposite yeah, way. Yeah, if you yeah, want to do a Smash Brothers movie, just do a Smash Brothers movie. Because you introduce a big threat, one that needs all these characters to come together. Pikachu and Mario on screen together, teaming up. That would be so adorable, I think. Um, and just, like, bring in all the Nintendo hard hitters. Kirby. All coming from different places, different lands. And to just put them in one movie? You got a billion dollars, baby. You got all those fan bases of each property coming together, watching their person on the big screen team up with Mario. It's it's no question. This movie is going to make a lot of money, but you they have to do it the way you're saying. Right. Just go straight into it. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't and, try and, to build up to it because then you're right. Because then if if money. it wanes popularity by the time you've built up to it, there's no one there. Yeah. Again, my my one concern, even if you did just come out with the Super Smash Brothers movies, that you don't have anybody else that's remotely as popular as Mario. You you just don't. Your 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 lineup just doesn't have. Like in DC, you got Superman, you got Batman. You got, and then you got other options too that are really big. But in the world of Nintendo, you got Mario. You got Mario here, and then maybe Link, and then <laughs> you know down there you got the popularity of the other characters. So well, I, you got a billion kids. You got more than a billion kids. Yeah, none of them watch know who those other characters are. Maybe, how know. many how many kids do you know today are playing Kirby? 
your little co- your cousin or your nephew. My nephew. He's always on Super Smash Brothers. There's a billion of these kids that yeah, are that, always on Smash. That is one thing. So you're actually both yeah, right the property in a is sense popular. Yeah. because the standalone, the the nostalgia, they're not going to get that. But at the same time, Super Smash Brothers is really popular. I mean, I know when I I was at like Fine Brothers years ago, they had like a Smash Brothers tournament every year. So, I mean, yeah. people are into that. Now, I like the idea, you know, if we were talking about this before the show started, but you got Super Smash Brothers that licenses non-Nintendo characters to put in there, right? I want to see them get ballsy. Put Jason in there. <laughs> put Pinhead in there. Put the human centipede in oh, Super Smash oh Brothers. Boy. Put, put the Freddy human Kruger. centipede? <laughs> what are you trying to murder put the human kids? Put the Jeffrey Dahmer in, oh my God, in Super Smash Brothers. So the like, villain really is make up. it edgy. The villain is PlayStation and Xbox, I guess, in this movie. Yes, they become the villains. Nintendo's the hero. PlayStation, <laughs> Xbox are the villains. I, I'm, I, I'm excited. I can't wait for this. I hope they do what you're saying. They just go all out on one movie. Just make, just make one big Super Smash Brothers yeah, movie. You don't do anything. All right. Guys, with that down, we still got to talk about this potential merger between Paramount Studios and Warner Brothers. Also, the reviews for Aquaman 2 are out. Woo! Pete Willie's Day of Triumph has finally come. We're going to discuss that as well. But before we do, we're going to take a quick second and thank a couple of sponsors of today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast, our friends at Factor and Quip. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video Factor. This bustling holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, flavorful meals to fuel you on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all your holiday to-dos. Cross meal prepping off your list this holiday season with Factor. Skip the meal planning, grocery shopping, chopping, prepping, and cleaning up, and get Factor fresh, never-frozen meals delivered to your door. They're ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Choose from 35-plus chef-crafted meals every week that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences. Looking for calorie-conscious options over the holidays that don't skimp on the flavor? Try delicious, dietitian approved calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. And Factor isn't just for dinner. Count on extra convenience any time of the day with an assortment of 55-plus add-ons to suit various preferences and tastes. So guys, head to factormeals.com campia50 and use the code CAMPIA50 to get 50% off. That's code CAMPIA50 at factormeals.com slash CAMPIA50 to get 50% off. Guys, we want to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's video, Quip. Good health starts with good habits, and Quip makes forming good dental habits easy by delivering all of the oral care essentials that you need to care for your mouth. I've already told you guys about their incredible toothbrush that is now my favorite toothbrush I've ever owned, and their mints and gum are amazing. But now I want to tell you about their water flosser. It hits all the right spots with gentle or deep cleaning pressure at the touch of a button. And don't worry about recharging. The cordless rechargeable battery lasts up to eight weeks with daily use, no bulky charger, 
wire or dock or tangled cords. It blasts away up to 99.9% of plaque and popcorn from treated areas with precision thanks to the 360-degree rotating magnetic floss tip that snaps right into place. It's easy to control water flow that leaves you feeling squeaky clean. And the sleek and slim design, it keeps your countertops as clean as your teeth. So guys, if you go to getquip.com slash campia right now, you'll get 20% off any electric toothbrush, mint and gum dispenser, and water flosser. That's 20% off any electric toothbrush, mint and gum dispenser, water flosser at getquip.com slash campia. Spelt G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash campia. Quip, the good habits company. And thank you. Oh, God, I'm so glad the things Ray says stay off air. And thank you to our friends at Factor and Quip for sponsoring today's episode of the John Campia Show podcast. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to this, shall we? You know, a a report came out while we were doing the show yesterday. There were some whispers going around that Warner Brothers may be looking at acquiring Paramount. And, And I said, okay, I said, I'll believe that when I see one of the major trades, but I said on the show yesterday that would make sense. Warner Brothers has said right now, and recently they made a public statement saying that they have now gotten their finances leveled out and they're now looking at mergers and acquisitions. They're looking to acquire. Paramount, we know, is in a lot of trouble. There could be something there. Well, last night, the big trades did start to report on this as they let us know that... Warner Brothers, this is uh, in Variety, Warner Brothers Discovery, Paramount Global in merger talks. And it talks about how the CEOs of both Warner Brothers, David Zaslav and the CEO of Paramount, have officially started physically meeting in person together to talk about what they could do. Now, I want to read this one particular excerpt from a thing. It says, Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount would be looking to pool their assets, which span TV, film, sports, and streaming to gain greater scale and operational efficiencies. Specifically, Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount would have an interest in combining their Max and Paramount Plus premium streaming services to better compete with the likes of Netflix and Disney's Disney Plus and Hulu. All right. This, I've already heard a lot of people talking about this and talking about how, well, this would be terrible this, is, this would be more of a monopoly. This would be bad for the consumer. And no, it wouldn't. Now, I don't know that this is going to happen. But the current reality is that Paramount Studios is in real trouble. Massive trouble. Like, could be facing going out of business kind of trouble. And if Paramount were to just disappear like a fart in the wind, that is not good for the consumer. So we're not talking, this is a little bit different than say the Disney and Fox merger where Fox was a thriving media company, Disney was a thriving media company and they just one just decided to buy the other and bring it in. This is something a little bit different. We've, we're in a situation here where one of these two parties is literally on life support and could disappear if something drastic doesn't happen. Now, what could be some of the possible benefits? Why? Would Warner Brothers and Paramount want to merge? What could be some of the advantages if they did merge? Well, I was having a discussion this morning about uh, with a friend of mine who's very well connected in the business of entertainment and stuff like that that's going on and had a discussion with him. And this was some of kind of the points that came out that I thought were really interesting that I would share with everybody here. First of all, Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount have both been cutting expenses. This is true. 
mainly employees and production budgets to pay down debt, and the combined companies would save billions of dollars more than the companies could separately. So from a financial point of view, from an administrative and operational point of view, merging these two companies would combined save billions of dollars uh, every year. Uh, the, the conversation went on. Combining CNN and CBS News could save them a combined $1 billion per year. Or, as some people have reported Warner Brothers Discovery might be interested in doing, selling CNN off could generate $10 billion or more to reduce debt. A combined company has, has better options than the companies do individually now. Also, a combined Paramount Plus Max would have would be a force online streaming that would have the likes of Game of Thrones, Star Trek, DCU, Taylor Sheridan's Universe, NFL, NBA, CBS Procedurals, Discovery Reality, and HBO. It would make for a very compelling streaming product that could compete with the likes of Amazon, Disney Plus, and Netflix. Also, plus the combined global footprints of the two streamers would give a combined streamer a stronger distribution foothold. Wall Street's initial reaction to the news of the merger wasn't great. Both company share prices were down slightly, but Paramount is running out of options. The company, my friend said, is losing money so fast that it may have difficulty making debt payments in early 2024. There's already reporting that Paramount Plus it plans to lay off over 1,000 employees in January. Oh, no. Um, anyway, and it goes on and on and on. I just want to share some of those things. So from a very preliminary point of view, the idea of Warner Brothers and Paramount merging, number one, it basically saves Paramount, right? It basically saves whatever is left of them. If you're Warner Brothers, again, massive amounts of savings, a much bigger, broader, more appealing content offering. Plus, you also come in with a number of assets that Paramount would bring to the table that you can then spin off and sell off. And there's a number of those that are big on the table, BET, several other things that Paramount has kind of looked at selling off before and that maybe they could. So again, if the option is like, I don't like things that are bad for consumers. I don't like things that take away consumer's choice. But in a world where if nothing happens, Paramount's going to just simply disappear mm -hmm. or we as consumers could end up with another streaming service that is a better streaming service than it is right now. I was calling it Paramax. Yeah, I said Max Amount. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jonathan wanted to call it Max Amount. I mean, you would literally be getting a single streaming service that would have the Game of Thrones, that would also have the Taylor Sheridan content, like all that into one. I actually think this is one of those rare circumstances where a merger like this could be good for consumers. Well, Paramount recently, they did something with Showtime. Did it say anything about the art in the article about Showtime? What happens to that? Um, it would come along as a part okay. of it. But Unless they can sell it off before any kind of a merger happens. As a consumer that doesn't subscribe to a lot of streaming services. Yeah, you if you told mine, me yeah. I had to go to Max now to get my South Park, Max, I'm signing up for Max tomorrow. That's plain and simple. I only open Paramount for like the South Park specials, uh, Beavis and Butthead, just, you know, good time to sleep thing, uh, to sleep to, good shows to sleep to. Um other than that, yeah, yeah, I'm all bored. If 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 it will keep these shows alive or properties alive, then I'm signing up for Max if that's what it's going to be on eventually. I mean, listen, Max I is already great to like have. Max the way it is. Yeah, Max is great already. But you add onto yep. that, yep, South Park stuff, Halo, 
the Halo stuff. Star Trek. You add on all the Star Trek stuff because I'll go wherever Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds is. <laughs> you add in the Taylor share, all the Taylor yeah, share, right. Yellowstone stuff. and all that. All the Yellowstone universe, you add on top of that, you know, the, the top guns and, and all the stuff that is that already falls under Paramount. You take Max, which I already like, and you infuse all of that in there too. It becomes very appealing to somebody like So that. is it Max or Bus for Paramount right now? If they don't sign a deal, they're just probably just gonna go bankrupt? No, or is there another other, person in the mix? Yeah, that's a good question. There are the reports are saying there are other potential suitors. There are other potential now, from what I understand though. Some of those other potential suitors come with big asterisks. Like, we would be interested in buying Paramount if Paramount first sells off this, 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 and this. Because we're not interested in acquiring those. So you divest yourselves of those. We're interested in buying. Whereas Warner Brothers seems a little bit more interested in saying, look, we're more interested in a package as it is. And then we'll deal with the individual pieces later. So it could end up being somebody else. But right now, it does kind of look like it, it. if it ends up being anybody, if it ends up being anybody, it could very well be Warner Brothers. And, you know, just think about this. For decades and decades and decades and decades, the landscape of the movie industry was pretty steadfast. In the span of just a number of years, we will have seen Fox essentially disappear. We will have seen now Paramount essentially disappear. Mm -hmm. Right? Oh, what? You just had, you just, like you just had the pivot. Wait, Paramount has Transformers too. Uh, yes, they do. It also has those four guys that are on your microphone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Teenage yeah. Oh, my God. That, why don't they just buy them right now? Like, in <laughs> a good hour. Well, they're talking about it. Because, man, a, a new Transformers movie under a new umbrella. Well, not a new umbrella. They'll probably have the same. But still, just the possibilities of what we could get. Now, of course, I, I was just listing off all the potential upside. There is also potential downside. I, sure. I don't want to pretend that there's not. So, for instance, a lot of people would lose their jobs. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, that's whenever you merge two companies, that's just the reality. There's going to be redundancy. You don't need two senior vice presidents of marketing. Mm -hmm. You don't need, you know what I mean? So, yeah. there, there would obviously, but it sounds like even well, if they don't merge, Paramount's looking at laying off a thousand people in would, January anyway. Yeah, that's true. Would, would you think that this, because we are seeing some outcroppings of, like, Fox productions right even though disney owns it yeah they're now. under but they're really under the disney under umbrella. the umbrella but Search you're light. still not so this way you're still getting you, you know because one company only has so much bandwidth to create but like do you think that there would be like a paramount subdivision that could still put movies out for warner brothers i'm this is pure speculation on my part i'm guessing that yes it would be a division of, I think Paramount would still exist in name mm -hmm. and would be a division of Warner Brothers, mm -hmm. yeah. still under the complete control of Warner Brothers and all that kind of stuff. But I could yeah. see a similar arrangement like the way they do it with Fox. Fox technically is still a studio. It's just right. a sub-studio under that, Disney. I do hope they keep that Paramount lot in some, some manner because it's just a beautiful lot. Dude, listen, when I moved to L.A., one of the very, very first things I did, like within two or three days of when I got, arrived in Los Angeles— mm -hmm. I went to the Paramount lot. Yeah. I, I, I just, it's the thing I always wanted to see, mm -hmm. you know? Um, we passed by it a lot when we oh. were working at that one. Oh, on, on the, at the stream. Oh, yeah, when yeah. we used to work out of the stream studio. But I, I spent a lot of time on that lot with, in, in meetings and at previews and things like that. 
there is an awe and one. If you're a movie fan, if you're a real movie fan, there is an awe and wonder you have. I feel like a little bit like Willy Wonka or something like walking around the the walks at the Paramount lot yeah. and being on the lot. It's just something. It feels old Hollywood. I mean, Warner yeah. Brothers is beautiful, but it's like the the history of like the Burbank lots, like Disney and Warner Brothers. Yep. But if you want to think of old Hollywood, the Paramount lot is so, where it's yeah, at. That and the Warner Brothers. Because mentioning the Warner Brothers yeah. lot, I like every time I go. Actually, the Universal lot. Yeah. I one of my favorite things in the Universal lot is when they take us by uh, Alfred Hitchcock's office. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah, this this little bungalow. This is Alfred Hitchcock's private office. It's so, like holy shit! Like it's amazing. So is the situation here? Let me get this right. Two uh, two studios that are losing money. One's trying to buy the other. Have, has anything come? Well, Warner Brothers come out. Warner Brothers has stopped like? their financial. Right, bleeding. they're not bleeding. Oh, like, oh, they're still in okay. debt. Okay, they're still in debt, but they've stemmed their bleeding, okay. and that's why a little while ago, David Zaslav said we're now moving into a phase where we're looking at merging and acquisitions. Okay, okay. And so, and I think for streaming, they need to strengthen their position. So this makes yep, sense. They need to strengthen their position, and Warner Brothers still needs to cut costs. Mm-hmm. And that merged company could do a lot that way. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, we'll see how this all kind of uh, <laughs> yeah. comes to pass. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this, shall we? Today's the day. <laughs> After over a year of delays, Aquaman, the Lost Fishy. What's it called? The yeah, Lost, like that. Lost Kingdom. Yeah. I, I like the Lost Fishy better. <laughs> Swim, Aquaman, the Lost Fishy. Sequel to a film I quite liked, as a matter of fact, the first Aquaman. I know not everybody loved the first Aquaman. Fair enough. I get it. But I had a good time watching that movie. I enjoyed that film. I love Jason Momoa. And, uh, you know, I've been looking forward to seeing the sequel. You got James Wan back. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of drama surrounding this thing. A lot of ups and downs. A lot of reports and whispers and whatever. And, of course, yesterday we talked on the show about one really big concerning thing. Regardless of how excited I've been for the movie, one big concerning thing is Warner Brothers clearly doesn't believe in this film because they held the review embargo literally until this morning. The day the movie came out, they've held the review embargo till this morning. Um, I was uh, chatting with my buddy Christian Harloff last night, and he texted me something that made me almost— I was drinking some Zevia that I almost spit out when I read the message. Because <laughs> let me bring it up here. Specifically, I'm not going to bring it up on screen, but specifically he said, I'm like, oh, because yeah, he told me earlier in the day, I'm going to go see it tonight. So he saw it last night. I'm going to see it today. I said, make sure you let me know how, what you thought. And he texts me, he said, and one word he texts me, brutal. And I wrote back, yikes, really? He said, he said this, I'm currently punishing my six-year-old because I'm convinced that she wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear that. Well, anyway, the reviews are now out, and they're pretty bad, although they're not the worst yeah. that the DCEU has had. There's Let's always go an although. Right now, although. as of this moment, 72 reviews have come out, and Aquaman The Last Kingdom is sitting at a 39%. I will point out, this is up a little bit from 37% when I looked at it earlier this morning. So it is currently coming in at 39%. Now that means roughly about one out of every three critics likes it. But it also means roughly two out of every three (laughs) critics do not like it. But as a matter of fact, this does not make it the worst reviewed 
DCEU movie. Look at the positive. Or DCEU property. Remember, we're talking about DCEU, not DCU. If we look at the top of the list, Peacemaker is their number one highest critically rated thing at 94%. Wonder Woman, the first one, at 93%. Shazam, I love that first Shazam. I don't care what the fuck anybody else says. I love that first Shazam movie. Uh, 90%. uh, James Gunn Suicide Squad, 90%. Birds of Prey, which I did not like that movie, but it got a 78%. Blue Beetle, 78%. Okay. But if we go down to the bottom, right now, Aquaman 2 is equal to the theatrical version of Justice League with 39%, and just slightly beating out Dwayne The Rock Johnson's Black Adam at 38%, which, by the way, another movie I liked, I oh, didn't love. Oh, yeah, we did like that. Yeah, I liked it. I, <laughs> I liked it. Listen, yeah. it absolutely has its problems. Big things we can all make fun of it about, and I do sometimes. But overall, I had a good time watching Black Adam, whatever. But 38%, <coughs> Batman versus Superman, John, Dawn of Justice with 29%, and the lowest rated thing was the original theatrical version of Suicide Squad in 2016 with 26%. Which I which, which I like. Which is which I, I kind of liked. Yeah, the, there are things about I enjoyed it I really that liked. a little more than some of the higher rated ones. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I got a kick out of Suicide Squad. I, yeah. I, it was I a think hot that, mess, but it was fun. It was a hot mess. 100% it's a hot mess. It was fun, though. But it was kind of fun. I think Jared Leto's Joker in that movie is highly underrated. <laughs> I did, too. Um, so, what but, you're, so what you're telling me, John, is Warner Brothers is going to put a whole bunch of poop in this bowl, and we're going to eat it. Netflix, because <laughs> we're watching Rebel Moon. We're watching Aquaman 2. Rebel Moon is Netflix. Yeah, but look at the percentages of each of oh, the yeah. reviews. You, yeah. You're definitely going to need that palate cleanser for all mankind. And you better hope it's a good <laughs> and episode. Monarch. Oh, Monarch's up tonight, too. Oh, yeah. oh, okay, okay. So you could be two for two. two so for today, yeah. we, we are watching Aquaman 2 and Rebel Moon. <laughs> yeah. We should watch Monarch last. But you know what? I still don't care. I don't care. I am still looking forward to watching Aquaman 2. I'm f- looking forward to watching both, to be I'm honest. I'm looking forward to watching Rebel I gotta Moon. be honest. I, <laughs> just Aquaman 2. I canceled my reservation for Friday. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan, he's... he, he I he's had chicken tendies and everything ready and I on the mobile order. I, he canceled, I canceled. He canceled. You canceled your tickets? <laughs> Even for his Friday. food. He canceled yeah. your tickets and your food. Yeah, I'm like, you know, I think I'm going to peace I'm out. I'm ordering sliders tonight. No matter what, it'll make it a better movie if it is a crap movie. Well, well I mean, look, again, you look at a couple of these, right? Like, I like Black Adam. It got a 38. I liked it. I mean, I understand why so many people didn't. Don't get me wrong. I, I understand why you didn't like it, but I did. I like Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. I, I got Suicide Squad's a hot mess, and I like it. So, so just because a lot of critics don't like it, I mean, that's not good, but it doesn't mean I won't. Right. So hopefully I will. All I know is that, thank God, at the end of tonight, I can still load up Monarch and have a good, clean palate cleanser I, watching Monarch. I have a question for you, John. Have you ever been double cold? What's double cold? We're so going to get twice Nicole Kidman right in the oh. intro. And then into Aquaman 2. That's this right. This will be my first double calling today. It is our first double calling. Oh, yeah. Congratulations, guys. Yeah. Oh, it's my gonna God. be uh, awesome. Everybody needs, everybody knows, you need a good double calling <laughs> before you get in to get uh, circumsnidered, right? Yeah. You need your double calling before you get circumsnidered. <laughs> Right. And that's what we're going to do. Aquaman's going to give us our double calling, yeah. run home, load up Netflix, and get our circumsnidered. <laughs> going yeah. i'm excited it's gonna be a good day no matter what you know what it is gonna be good. you know even it's if we end up movies. disappointed with these movies it's gonna be a good day both of them free both of them free 
for him. And we get to watch Monarch later. We know yeah. that's going to be good. Good time. Good time day yeah, today. And, and we get a full heaping of Pee Willy. Yeah, Pee Willy. Big plate 100%. of Pee Willy. Good all the time, every time. Well, he's 100% fresh. Uh, yeah, yep. P. Willie. Yeah, there's, by the way, there's a little side link on the Aquaman 2 Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> page where you can just see the ratings for P. Willie. 100% certified fresh. Yeah. Every time. Every I'm time. Fan, baby, I love P. 100% Willie. of the time, all the time. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, guys, with that down, we're now going to move over and start taking your live comments and questions. Uh, but before we do, we're going to take just a quick, quick moment, allow your guys to... You know, uh, talk amongst yourselves, get yourself a drink, get hey, yourself really? some circumsnidered, <laughs> and sit back and watch a couple of ad spots for us, would you? From our delightful sponsors, the folks at Rocket Money and my mobile service provider, and they should be yours, Mint Mobile. We want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's episode, Rocket Money. Do you struggle to save money every month? With Rocket Money, you can quickly identify all those sneaky subscriptions that keep charging you month after month and cancel any you no longer use. For example, did you know that over 80% of people have subscriptions that they've completely forgotten about? It's too easy to subscribe to a free trial of something and then completely forget about it once you stop using it. That's why I'm such a big fan of Rocket Money. I've told you guys before that when I started using Rocket Money, I realized that I was still subscribed to a gym in another city I had moved away from two years ago. Also, my music Music service? Yeah, I found out I was still subscribed to two others. How much do you think you're paying a month on subscriptions? Most people think they're paying 80 bucks a month, but they're actually paying closer to 200. That's why I use Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. With over 5 million users and counting, Rocket Money has helped save its customers on an average of $720 a year and $1 billion in total total savings so far. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash campia. That's rocketmoney.com slash campia. Rocketmoney.com slash campia. Guys, we want to take a moment to thank a sponsor of today's video, Mint Mobile. Give yourself the gift of insane savings this holiday season with Mint Mobile's best wireless deal of the year. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you'll get another three months for free. That's six months of premium wireless service for the price of three. And Mint Mobile lets you order and activate from home while saving tons on phone plans starting at just $15 a month. Seriously, I can't think of a better gift than turning an overpriced wireless bill into just $15 a month with Mint Mobile. I've told you guys many times since switching to Mint Mobile, I am spending less than a third on my mobile service plan with Mint than I was on the previous big carrier who was my provider. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily and effortlessly with eSIM. So again, for a limited time, buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months free by going to mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. Nothing like starting your day with Rocket Money and Mint Mobile when you're about to get double cold P-Willied and circumsnidered. It's a good kind of day. All right. How dare you. With that all down, guys, let's move over and start taking your live questions here, shall we? Jonathan, what we got up first? Well, we got Gone with the Cheddar, who says, <laughs> do, gets him every time. Doing a double feature tonight, Iron Claw nice. and Anyone But You. 
no interest in Aquaman. Uh, didn't really enjoy the first one, but hope you guys enjoy it. Here's to having a lot of options at the theater. Look, well, I, I love, what's his name, Glenn Powell? Yeah. Yeah. I think this dude's great. He's got superstar written all over yep. him. But if you had to give an award to the one thing that looked the worst coming out of CinemaCon back in April, it was anyone but you. That looked awful. And I, I, I mean, I so I can't say a bad word about the movie because I haven't seen it. Yeah, all right, the trailers maybe, don't look great. Maybe the movie's great. I'm not saying it's not. But I'm like, they at CinemaCon they made that movie look horrible. And even though I really like Glenn Powell, I have very very little interest in seeing it. But uh, but we'll see. Yeah. So we got like I got a triple header ahead myself today. I'm excited about. I'm excited about seeing Aquaman too. It might end up being bad, but we'll see. I'm excited about Rebel Moon. Might end up being bad. Whatever. And then I get to cap it all off with some Monarch, baby. Yeah. It's a good day, man. Yeah. Good day. Listen, any day you get to watch movies is a good day. A good movie, bad movie, watching movies is automatic good day to me. So for, we got a real good day today. Especially the genres that we're dealing with Yeah, especially with the genre stuff. Yeah, yeah I love it. Day. All right, what's next? Uh, Brian says, what do you think is Denis Villeneuve's best movie? For me, it's Dune. I, I got to say Dune, although... 2049 is a close for me. 2049 is great. Prisoners. Ooh. Oh, I haven't seen Prisoners. Ooh. Is that with a... You want a movie that punches you in the face? Is that the no. one with a... a Gyllen, Gyllen? Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, uh, that movie then. Woo! Paul Dano. Oh, that movie's so good. It's I, I so say, good. I gotta what say was, Prisoners. Uh, but I gotta say Dune. Arrival's beautiful, too. Arri a lot of people love Arrival. Oh, I mean, uh, look, oh that, he did what, that one, too? Yeah. There's a reason Ooh. a lot of people think today, with all due respect to Christopher Nolan, and I love Christopher Nolan, but that's the reason there's a lot of people today, a lot of cinephiles today think Denis Villeneuve is the best director right now. That he might be the best director in the business right now. Um, I, I, I certainly don't think you can go wrong with picking either Christopher Nolan or Denis Villeneuve. But, I mean, yeah, Wait, Denis is he, amazing, man. Good Canadian kid, by the way. Mm -hmm. He directed right. Sicario. I forgot about yeah, that. He, uh -huh. I love Sicario. He Everything he does is brilliant. Just is. All right, All right, what's next? Clay Woodley says Sonic 3 and Mufasa are both being released on December 20th next year. Which are you looking forward to more? For me, it's Sonic 3. I wasn't a huge fan of Lion King 19, but really like both Sonics. I did love the CGI version of... And by the way, guys, can 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 everybody just please stop calling that Lion King oh, no, the live-action like, Lion King? Those it are was real. not live-action. Those are real animals. It was 100% CGI, right. all right? <laughs> anyway, I really did like... Not as much as the original Lion King, but I really did like the Lion King. I'm still looking forward to Sonic 3 more. Because uh, I, I really, I don't know what we're going to get with the Mufasa one. I just don't know what we're going to get with Mufasa. it. Mufasa. Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. But I really have liked the first two Sonic movies. And so, and by the way, they won't release on the same day. One of those two are going to move. They're yeah, both going they're after move. the same family demographic. One of them will move. But uh, I, I think, I am looking forward to Mufasa. Don't get me wrong. Just, I'm much more looking forward to Sonic 3. All right, what's next? Josiah Barnhart says, hey, all, I got a question for Ray. I enjoy the good, good gummies before watching movies. Oh, the good, good gummies before watching movies. What are some of your uh, yours to watch while a little ele elevated? Oh. I'd say the Fountains, Shaun of the Dead, and Bob's Burgers. Bob's Burgers. Because Ray is a big Bob's Burgers guy. Yeah, every time Bob is actually cooking something. That's my cue to go get something to eat. Did you see the Bob's the Burgers movie? Yes, I did. Yeah, it was good. It was very musically. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah. I mean, at, tonight I'm gonna get sliders, but usually my go-to at the theaters is curly fries, and uh, 
uh, mozzarella sticks. You know what? I sometimes poo-poo on AMC's food offerings. Their curly fries are really good. Yeah. They they do. You know, speaking of which, uh, with Bob's Burgers, my wife Ann, back when she was uh, oh yeah, back when she was a big wig over at Hasbro and she worked out of the Burbank office. Um, Bob's Burgers had their production offices in the same building as my wife. So she said their kitchen was exactly looked like exactly like the Bob's like, Burgers. Like the, kitchen. yeah, the thing there. She never took pictures of it. You can't. I know you can't. All right, what's next? All right, James Wheeler says, oh, with a $50 super chat. Thank you, James Wheeler, for supporting us on that level, man. That's incredibly generous of you. Thanks, dude. Hello, everyone. I know some of you might disagree, but I watched War of the Planet of the Apes last night. Um, I love the previous two, but it might be my favorite of the three. Was that the third of the three? That's the yeah. third one. And, you know, I know a lot of people who love it. I, I didn't. I liked I, it. I liked I, number I two the best. I think part two was the best one. Yeah, I thought that I thought the second one was easily the best one. I didn't like the third one, but you know, I say that understanding that most people I know really did enjoy it. And that's the beautiful thing about movies, man. It's like the great thing about the art is you can like one thing more than another, and there's nothing saying you're right or wrong. Art is a subjective thing that hits us all in a very individual level. And that means one piece of art might hit you a little bit better than it'll hit the next person. It doesn't mean that you're right or they're wrong or whatever. It just means that's the way it hit you. Unfortunately, despite the fact that I really like the Planet of the Apes movies, I that's the third one just didn't hit for me, unfortunately. But I'm glad you loved it. And dude, James, again, thank you so much for for uh, supporting us on that level, man. We really appreciate that. That's incredibly generous of you, dude. All right, what's next? We got AL who says, "Isn't it ironic that the most fleshed out sub franchise in the DCU was the Suicide Squad? <laughs> uh, two movies and two spinoffs: Birds of Prey and Peacemaker." Oh, you're right. I don't really think about it that way. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. 100% you're right. You know, listen, I was I was one of the people as the a people. huge fan of Man of Steel. As a you you know me. I am the biggest fan of Man of Steel in the world. I don't know that there's anybody in the world who's a bigger fan of that movie than me. But while everybody else hated the notion that they were going to do Batman versus Superman next instead of a Man of Steel 2, I initially was actually okay with the idea. I thought, you know what? No, this is a good progression. This is a good way to do it. In hindsight, I think I was wrong. In hindsight now, and hindsight, of course, is a perfect 2020, it probably would have been much better for them to allow Superman to get a little bit more depth and allow Ben Affleck's Batman to have his own individual film you know, whatever, but it probably would have been better for them to have a second one. But yes, Suicide Squad is definitely the most well-fleshed out. And you know what? That tells you something about even if you have ridiculous characters, it's Felipe the Sentient Dancing Microphone. If you have the right storyteller with the right script and the right, you know, people making it, you can take anything and make it great. They did it with the Lego movie. It's a movie about plastic building blocks. James Gunn took fucking Polka Dot Man. I want to repeat that. James Gunn gave us Polka Dot Man and gave us something really compelling. James Gunn gave us a character called Rat Catcher 2 <laughs> and gave me one of the most emotionally satisfying moments or emotional stirring moments in the movie. That whole, when she's doing her flashbacks about her and her father... You know, uh, Ratcatcher 1, played mm -hmm. by Taika Waititi. Come on, come on. Who wasn't moved emotionally when that was playing? Having a freaking CGI shark looking out the window of a van and seeing two people holding hands and just have the camera go back to King Shark's face and you felt something emotionally. Like, 
it's amazing when you have the right storytellers and the right characters in the right story, you can do great things. And you're right. I've never thought of it that way, but Suicide Squad is probably the best, most fleshed out thing the DCU ever did. All right, what's next? Real One Red Talk says, the holidays are just around the corner. I'm sure you'll be taking a well-deserved break, but do you have any year-end videos <clears throat> planned for next week? Yeah, so um, I'm going to Canada next week. Ann so and I are going to uh, take a long overdue trip back up to Canada. Yep. Uh, might even do a little fan meter greet in Toronto or Hamilton or something like that. I, I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, I am definitely going to be doing, while I'm up there, while there won't be any regular John Campia show live streams, uh, I will be putting up some videos while we're out there, including my top 10 of the year, my worst 10 of the year. Um, probably going to do some vlog style videos while I'm up there. So yeah, there, there'll be a few videos coming to you from my hotel room probably. <laughs> All right. What's next? All right. Uh, Sean in 3D says, hey, guys, what are your top three movies of the year? Mine are Oppenheimer, Godzilla, Minus One, and The Whale. I forgot about The Whale. Wow. The Whale was believe... Technically, The Whale was 2022. Yeah, wasn't it? <laughs> but we'll, um, whatever, we'll accept it. Honorable mention is uh, to Wonka. Um, I'm not ready to give my yeah, top too, three. Man. There's still a couple things I have to watch. But I, I will say, as of right now, my number one movie of the year is still Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I, I've got a couple of films I still got to see um, be, in, over the next couple of days to see if anything can bump it out of that spot. But for me right now, and I'm not just saying this because I like the genre. Remember, I shit all over the Spider-Verse thing before it came out. I thought it, I, for a year I crap-talked that whole thing, thinking it was going to be stupid. But for me right now, it is still legitimately the best movie made this year. But we'll, we'll see how if I still feel about that way uh, by the end of next week. Yeah, I don't know the order, but I know that Aaron and uh, Oppenheimer are in the top three. I mean, listen, there's going to be a number of films competing. For, there are some great films with me. Yeah, Dumb Money. Dumb Money's going to be up there. Killers of the Flower Moon's going to be up there. Oppenheimer's going to be up there. Air is going to be up there. Mm -hmm. um, um, oh, uh, the the uh, the um, uh, Past Lives. Um Oh, is yeah. is going to be up there. Um, I, I mean, there's there's just been some really, really great cinema this year. Yep. Yeah. And, and uh, even though mentionables, like even I enjoyed John Wick 4, Creed 3, yeah. all of those are yeah. great to me. And they're not going to end up on my top five yeah, list or anything, but, but good, you know fun, what? enjoyable movies. We had a good year. Yes, we did. All right. What's next? We got the Werebear who says Denzel is Kang. Probably won't happen, but yes, please. I... The reason I don't feel really any enthusiasm for that is because I really think they need to move on from the character. Yeah. I think they took a swing at Kang, and I think they struck out. They could have done something great with Kang, but it's too late now. Like, I think most of the general audience just see the character as a joke now. I, like, this is literally a character that we've seen three times. Season of Loki, another season of Loki, and a prime villain in one of the MCU movies, and never once did he ever remotely come across as the big bad of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I, I really think they just need to cut bait and move on. But, hey, listen, if they announced tomorrow that they were still doing Kang, I wouldn't like it, but it would soften the blow if they said Denzel Washington was playing the role. I mean, let's be honest. All right, what's next? Christopher Brickner, let me scroll down. <clears throat> the, or scroll up. the NFL won the lottery with their primetime Christmas game this year, 49ers versus Ooh, Ravens, number one hoo. NFC and number one AFC. This is a Christmas game dream uh, people dream of. I'm telling you what. I am telling you what. This has been a marvelous. I mean, not so great if you're a Patriots fan. Yeah, but nonetheless, as a football fan, this has been a fabulously wacky but exciting 
uh, NFL season. It, it's been great. And uh, right now, if I had to put my money on a Super Bowl winner, it would be either the 49ers or the Ravens. Uh, I just think those are two teams that are in classes of their own. Um, obviously, the Eagles have problems. Buffalo is not the team they should be. Uh, Kansas, I don't have any belief in the Chiefs whatsoever. I think as soon as they once they run into really good teams, they get hammered, they get exposed. But I, I'll tell you what, the 49ers with the human cheat code, and I think the MVP of the league, Christian McCaffrey, you got Lamar Jackson who's playing balls out uh, right now with a defense that is living up to the Ravens' name. Woo! I tell you what, man, we're, we're looking we're looking at a Super Bowl preview, I think. I really do. Anyway, all right, what's next? We got uh, Kenneth Estrella who says, I have been wanting to Metroid movies since the 80s. I've, I've talked to many people that feel that same way, but the, the problem is you put out a Metroid movie in theaters next week, it's making $8 million opening weekend. I, I mean, and that's just the thing. It's got a very passionate fan base, but it's kind of like me with Supernatural, right? I love Supernatural. I love it. You got any of you who've watched me for any period of time know I love Supernatural. But I'll be the first one to tell you. You make a movie, a supernatural movie, it's making $10 million next weekend. It's, it's no, there's not enough people that would be interested in it. And I just don't know that Metroid would generate that thing. There's Nintendo's only got one Mario, and that's one of the things they're gonna have to learn to contend with. All right, what's next? Uh, Miguel Zayen says, which casting do you all think will get sooner? Fantastic Four or Jarrell, uh, Laura, Lorvan, Ma, and Paul Kent? Do you all think we get, we'll get them at the end of the year? I mean, the reality is, I think all those characters you just, all those characters you just mentioned are already cast. Yep. I, I have no doubt that all of those, Fantastic Four, all the Superman characters, they're all cast. It's now just a question of when will we hear? Um... I mean, we heard pretty much all of Superman Legacy, the main big hitters. I don't see it being a problem for them releasing those characters in the next few months. Well, I still don't think we got our main villain for Superman Legacy. Because while we have Lex Luthor, I think Lex Luthor is going to be built up over time. Mm. I, I, I think there's going to be another character that's going to be the main villain. I don't know that. James Gunn hasn't told me that. Uh, that's just a guess on my part. <laughs> I think there is a chance that by within the week, we could hear some more casting announcements, but either way, I think we're going to get word on it really, really soon. I think so. All right, what's next? Cade Garrett says, hey, John and crew, I'm curious what y'all thought of Barry. I loved it. Bill Hader is a great director. Would you like seeing him direct a film next? Yeah. I, I, don't, know how much, I don't know how much of it <laughs> Hader directed, to be honest. And I have to admit, I never saw the final season. I really like Barry. I thought Barry was especially season one. Season one is actually my favorite of the seasons. Um, I thought it was really, really good. I don't know how much of it, uh, again, that Hader himself directed, but Hader showed that he was more than, what's the name of his character on Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live who always talks about the latest hot uh, Stefan. 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 My God, Stefan was so funny. Um, but he really showed there that he was more than Stefan, and he can do funny with dark at the same time. So as a director, I don't know, but I know... Barry itself just made me really open to see a lot more Bill Hader. Yeah. He directed all, right. all of season four, but I don't know, you know, beyond that. All right. What's next? 
Jay Loco says, Ray, a Paramount and DC merge. Imagine the Ninja Turtles crossover possibilities. Aquaman, don't sleep with these turtles. And then F you, Barry. <laughs> F you, Barry. Well, you know yeah. what I'm thinking? They had a Ninja Turtles versus Batman. And that, that, that was. There was an animated, yeah. yeah. I really liked it, actually. It was I was thinking, good. what if they did do like the original? Like, just this would be animated, but a Batman original, darker Turtles crossover animated kind of thing. I mean, they're like again. They already just kind of yeah. did it, but I mean, yeah. I'd be down for it. Uh, yeah. I, it could be interesting to see as a gimmick. All right, what's next? All right, Raymond Verada says there should be a BTS of what Ray says off the air. Nope, yeah, that'll sure. never happen. That yeah. will never happen. Yeah, you don't nope. want me to be deported. <laughs> you can't be. You were born. Oh no, you weren't born. Yeah. Here. Oh, he's I on keep the chopping block. That. Yeah, your sister was the only one in your yeah. family who was born here. Yeah, that's see, right. That's I why forgot. I proudly call myself. But how old you were like the minority? I I, I pretty much young. got out of my mom and then came here, right? So, yeah, so yeah. Like, like, it was you were like, super super like, from young. the island all the way here. Like I don't even it's remember a lot of back pressure yeah. before one before one years old. Yeah, so sure. yeah, less than a year before you moved here. All right, what's next? All right, Miguel is back and says Gunna seemingly denied that Kurt Russell will be playing Jorel as he thinks that he's too old to be a father who just had a firstborn. But Chino enters the chat, so they probably will get someone younger, maybe fifties. <laughs> Um, Miguel then says, how about Daniel Craig and his real wife, uh, Rachel Weiss? Oh, that'd be adorable. Uh, as Jarrell and Laura, Laura Van. I think, uh, this is ca great casting. Merry Christmas guys from Toronto. Merry Here's the thing. You have no idea if it's great casting until you know the characters and we don't know the characters. Yeah. Like every, again, everybody thinks they know the characters because of something they'd seen before. But remember, I like to remind everybody of this. We've had Jack's Joker, Heath's Joker, Jared's Joker, uh, Joaquin's Joker, all Joker, all the Joker, for totally <laughs> different manifestations of them, though, right. right? All four of them, completely different. And just because Keith was great as one Joker doesn't necessarily mean he would have been the right guy to play Jack's Joker or to play Joaquin's Joker or to play Jared's Joker. You know what I'm saying? So it's impossible to say who would be great casting for something unless you see the script and know what. And by the way, Russell Crowe's Jor-El completely different completely different from the first superman's jorel from marlon brando's jorel completely different so you can't say that daniel craig would be perfect casting when you have no idea what type of actor would be good for this role or not so i, I mean but don't get me wrong if they announced tomorrow that daniel craig was playing jorel i'd be totally down because he's a great actor so that's all i care about get a great actor and we'll be good all right what's next Raymond Verrata, yeah, Raymond Verrata for CNN. Joe Coy is going to host the Golden Globes, and according yeah, to Ray, we too. just had a buddy of ours text that a little while ago to us that, hey, listen, it's all due respect to <laughs> Vilmer, but much, much, much better choice to host the show is Joe Coy. I'm surprised he agreed to do it. All right, what's next? Fan Pop says, John, the, Go the Golden Globes just announced Joe Coy uh, will be hosting, and the ceremony will be on CBS. Thoughts? Okay. I'm going to say this. Everybody knows Joe Coy is my favorite comedian. I have not liked his stuff the last two times I saw him. Like, Ann and I went to go see him live in Palm Springs, and it wasn't a good show. Oh, his sets? You yeah. mean his co comedy sets? Yeah, his latest oh, stuff, wow. not okay. very good. He's still my all He's not my all-time, but he's still my current favorite comedian out there. But man, when he was at... Yeah, CinemaCon. That's what the he just came out on stage at CinemaCon because they were promoting his absolutely shitty movie Easter Sunday. We didn't know it was completely shitty yet at the time. 
But he just came out with the mic and held court for like 15 minutes. Crowd work. Oh my God. He worked the crowd. Yeah. He had everybody in that place dying. Yeah. He was so funny. And uh, I think he'll be, I think he'll be great to, you know, walk in the shoes of uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and stuff. I, I think he can make a very good host for that show. Maybe. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. All right. What's next? All right. On to members. Uh, Mighty Tank once says, WB, we aren't going to release anything we don't believe in. That age poorly. Hopefully Gunn can bring the quality back. I mean, at the end of the day, it just... Yeah. Look, here's, here's the reality. Aquaman, regardless of how bad it might be, and I say might be because I haven't seen it yet myself. I'm going to recheck Rotten Tomatoes to see what the score is right now. Still 39. <laughs> bad Girl would have been an 8. And the 8% would have been family members of people who worked on Batgirl. The other thing is, Aquaman, even if bad, is going to make, and I say this with no hyperbole, is going to probably make five times the money that Batgirl would have made if they tried to put that in theaters. So, and the reality is it's the end of the line, right? This Aquaman thing is the end of the line. At the end of the day, when it was all finished and they brought in the final cut, they clearly didn't think it was all that good. And I would bet you this, if it wasn't for the fact, and also, by the way, they probably spent triple the money on this movie than they did on Batgirl. Which means there's a higher impetus for them to need to get this thing in theater to recoup as much as they can. So it's not an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. That being said, I think if James Gunn had decided to just carry on the DCEU, I bet you they would have scrapped this Aquaman movie. If James Gunn had decided we're going to carry on the DCEU, I have a feeling they might have looked at this. Again, and I say this as somebody who's not seen Aquaman yet, okay? Maybe I like the film. I like the last one. Maybe I'll like this one. But if it's as bad as some people are saying, and that's a big if, if it's as bad as some people are saying, and if James Gunn had decided to carry on the DCEU and a really bad Aquaman movie could damage the future efforts of, a, of the continuing DCU, I bet there was probably a chance they may have scrapped it anyway. But under the circumstances, the last DCEU movie, not another thing coming out till 2025. They spent triple the money on this that they did on Batgirl, and it's going to make five times in the theaters, even if bad than what Batgirl would have made of. It, it prevents it from being an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. All right, what's next? Jumping Jiminy Cricket says, hey, John and crew, I just watched the Dark Knight trilogy for the first time. Nice. Well, I'm that's jealous. Fun. Uh, it's also my first foray into Nolan. It's interesting. Wow. The films were really great, and Heath Ledger's performance in the second one is amazing. Third one is my favorite. You don't hear that often. Also, I loved Anne Hathaway and her portrayal of Selena Kyle. But I did find that all three movies had the same issue. All the plots were completely convoluted. Is this just a normal thing with Nolan films, or is this with the Dark Knight trilogy? I would only agree with that with the third. I would only agree with that with the third one, too. Like, I, 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 I am not a big fan of the third one. Like, don't get me wrong. I still, in a like or dislike world, I like the third one. But for me personally, it's clearly the weakest of the three films. But I agree that the best part of that third one, surprisingly, was Anne Hathaway. Mm -hmm. Hathaway crushed it. 
she crushed that role. I thought she was absolutely fabulous in it. Um, listen, it's, especially when you get into like, um, what was the name of the the one with the time travel? Again? Oh, Interstellar. No, no, not Interstellar. Oh. Um, uh, it, the one after Interstellar. Why am I freezing on the name of it? Uh, Inception. Not Inception. Oh, not no, no, in- oh no, 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 not Inception. Um, oh my God, I. Tenet. Tenet, yes. <laughs> Jesus. Like, I think sometimes Christopher Nolan, as great as he is, and he's great, don't misinterpret me, I think sometimes Christopher Nolan has such an a complex idea for a story that he forgets that he knows what's going on He's got to make sure he clearly communicates to the audience what is happening. And a, a Tenant movie is a really good example of how I think Christopher Nolan got in his own way with the storytelling. Now, I think Oppenheimer shows that he learned that lesson. Don't leave the audience behind when you're telling your story. Like, you know in your head what's happening here because you're the one who thought about all this, but you've got to still put it on screen, right? right. Oppenheimer... I think was an excellent example of him looking at his last project, figuring out where he went wrong with some of the things he did in that. And I don't think Tenet's a bad movie, by the way. I actually liked it. But he learned the lessons from that, and you can clearly see Mm -hmm. in Oppenheimer how he does that movie infinitely better than the way he did Tenet. So I I think, yeah, Nolan's storylines can be a bit convoluted. They can't. It's all a matter of how well does he take that convolutedness and put it together in such a way on the screen that it flows naturally. He did it with Oppenheimer, didn't do it so well with Tenet. And and sometimes yeah. that's where I think he started. But I think he I think with something like Inception, that could have been so complicated and he really did I think his best to keep that the audience engaged. Inception and not my favorite Christopher Nolan movie, but Interstellar. Yeah. Interstellar's a movie. I mean, you could sort of see the beginnings of how Christopher Nolan yeah. could go off the rails with Interstellar, right? But he still did a good job, I think, of keeping it all together mm-hmm. in a very presentable package. Yep. He came close to going off the rails a couple of times, but yeah. All right. What's all next? Right. So we got Jared Vester who says, hey, John, a while ago I mentioned to you the series three-body problem, right, coming from by uh, to Netflix by Ben Alf and Weiss. They released a teaser trailer a few months ago. Netflix is always bad about not advertising their own shows. And while the teaser doesn't reveal a plot or anything, I'd still recommend checking it out and keeping a close eye on the series. My hopes are big for it. I want to check out the books. You know, what? Yeah, Rob, when Rob described to me the story of the books, first of all, it sounds incredibly vast. It sounds very, very large. Um, it got me interested. And uh, I want to see what Benioff and Weiss can now do in their post-Game of Thrones career and, and see what happens there. So I'm very intrigued by it. I really am. All right, what's next? Uh, Joel Checky says, The Rock and Chris Evans' uh, Christmas action comedy, Red One, from Amazon MGM, which I thought would be released this season because they finished filming like a year ago, just got a theatrical date for next November. Hopefully that means they are pleased with it. I love watching both those guys, plus J.K. Simmons. I love both those guys. Now, look, that doesn't mean everything they do I love, right? Because The Rock also had Red Notice. Red Notice, and then there was Chris Evans. Uh, uh, what was that one he just came out with? Oh, yeah, that he did with What's-Her-Name, uh, yeah. where, where she's the spy, he's the boyfriend. Ghost, some ghost. Ghosted. Yeah, ghosted. Ghosted. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh. You know. oh. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> oh my God, that was bad. I mean, oh. he was great. Yeah. He, Chris Evans is always great. Yeah. But yeah, that movie, that was garbage, uh, unfortunately. So um, hopefully this this one can be good. Hey, listen, I, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say I was totally fascinated to see Chris Evans and Dwayne The Rock Johnson crossover. So yeah, let's let's go for it. All right, what's next? Aaron Epstein says, hey guys, I rewatched Iron Man 2. I still don't get the hate this movie gets. It's fun. It has Tony being Tony and that racetrack scene is fire. Can you explain why you hate it? I feel like the more I've watched it, the more it reveals about the MCU, but I can understand people's complaints. I wouldn't say I hate it. I do think it's one of the worst things they've done, though. Um, it's a nonsensical plot. They, You could see the beginnings of their moving into his technology, becoming going beyond technology and engineering to magic. Um, and it's just a badly done story. Like, they had the opportunity to get into the devil in the bottle storyline, right? Of, of Tony's alcoholism and stuff like that. Right. And it just came across as a parody. Mm -hmm. um, while I love Scarlett Johansson and that they brought Black Widow into it, I don't think they did a particular good job of bringing her into it that way. It seemed a little too obvious. Um, it just, it wasn't, in my opinion, in my opinion, I'm not trying to discredit your opinion at all. It's just that for me, it was a... a one of the more poorly put together movies they've done, right up there with the likes of like Thor 2 and uh, maybe one or two others. It, it did bring in the best Iron Man suit of all the Iron Man suits, the War Machine suit, the Mark Mark, Mark II, the one on my desk. I still, to this day, believe this is the best on-screen suit uh, that uh, Tony Stark's It's very good. Yeah. It's very good. All right, last question of the day. What's yep, next? It is the last one. Simply Godzilla 2000. Yikes, Aquaman. Yeah, I mean, again, I want to bring this up. Bring up my screen if it's if possible here. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> as of right now, okay, it's gone down. It's gone down. point <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's gone down. We've gone from 39 to 38. All right, so now it's tied with Justice League. Um, Again, could be, look, this is me <laughs> being a glass half full or a glass 38% full guy. Instead, I, instead of being a 62% empty, I'm going to be a glass is 38% full guy. Yeah. And, you know, about one out of every, look, it could be worse. It could be worse. It might get worse. It might get worse. <laughs> it's currently dropping. And it has two entertaining, charming guys on screen. I mean, like, well, to me, Jason Momoa is very entertaining. On I love Jason Momoa. So is P. Willie. I P. Mean, Willie. They, they're going to have to save this movie for me, from what I'm reading. Yeah. They're those two performances. And you know what? One of the things that I've read, even in a lot of the negative reviews, even in a lot of the negative reviews of the movie, one of the constants being said by those who didn't like it and who liked it are saying the chemistry between Jason Momoa and P. Willie is actually really good. <laughs> P. Willie, yeah. And, at, well, they didn't say P. Willie. But I know, but I love yes. the way you guys adopted Na my yeah, that's nickname. Just, that is his name. But, but even, again, even the people who seem to not like the movie, they're saying, but you know what? Jason Momoa and, and Patrick Wilson on screen <laughs> together is pretty good. So, I mean, even if the movie's bad, and we don't know that it will be, but even if it's bad, at least we have that to look forward to. All right, guys, with that down, yeah. that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those topics and questions. Number one, because you gave us fun things to talk about. Number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the show, thank you guys so very much for your support. 
Guys, get out there and enjoy some Aquaman. Tune in, sit back, get some some drinks and watch some Rebel Moon a little bit later. Tune in and watch some Monarch. It's a good day to be a storytelling fan today. (laughs) I tell you, get out there and enjoy yourself. Uh, I want to thank Ray Aura. See you later. Jonathan Voiko. Later. Big thank you to all you guys. Get out there and get yourself circumsnidered. My name's John Campia. Until next time, my friends. (laughs) Bye-bye.